The Ordinary Folk Podcast is a project that highlights the fortitude of common, everyday people through storytelling. This is a collection of stories that showcases silent human resilience, heartbreak, and triumph. You can follow this podcast at Ordinary Folk Podcast on Instagram, and you can be a part of this project by reaching out to me at ordinaryfolkpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome to this week's episode. This week is a little bit different than previous podcasts because as I had I have mentioned, um, I'm going to start accepting written submissions. So people who are a bit shy or want complete anonymity are free to write in their stories and I will read them um, in their own individual podcast. Now, I also wanted to mention that I'm open to having guests on after they've already written in and maybe going over their narrative with them. So this is the very first week that I will be reading out a written submission. And this submission is from a 44-year-old man who lives in the U.S. He discusses his relationship with his mother and what it was like growing up uh, in a family with no other family members um, and how he ultimately realizes that he has to live life on his own terms after having an unhealthy relationship and attachment to his mom. So without further ado, here is the narration written by Greg. I grew up in a poor area. We lived in a town that could be described as a one trade town. It was just me and my mom. I didn't know my dad and I still don't. My mom had a brother. When I was growing up, he would come around every now and then. He wasn't like a father to me though. He would only come around to ask for stuff from my mom. I didn't have any sort of connection with him. When I was about 15, he stopped coming around and that was the last I heard of him. He was a bit of an addict, so I think that sort of took control. I hadn't bothered to check in on him because he's not important to me and I don't think I was ever very important to him. Anyways, I don't have any family beyond my mom. We lived in a small house, but it's not that bad. The house was well kept and the people in my neighborhood were good. It was a rental and my mom stayed in it her entire life. My mom worked at a laundromat for pretty much my whole life. She was always tired and didn't really do much. I would spend a lot of time in the laundromat. Before I was born, she worked as a gardener and then she had me. I think my mom always had this idea that she needed a man to have a normal life, but I don't think there were a lot of men in that town looking to date a single mom who worked a low-level job. Looking back, she didn't have any ambition for anything and she just passed that value on to me. She never talked to me about the importance of school, education, or learning. She never took us out of our town once. We never went on vacation anywhere, not even to a neighboring town or anything. I remember once we drove a couple of hours with one of her friends to pick up a cheap dishwasher. I was maybe 12 at the time. It was really interesting for me to have that short road trip. Looking back, my mom is someone I don't really respect. I think she sort of made me weak by exposing me to her messed up way of looking at things. For example, she had this idea that there was no point in trying to save money. For example, she had this idea that there was no point in trying to save money because there was always going to be something that pops up anyways. I think that's the mentality of the working poor. There's no point in saving because that savings account is not really going to do anything anyways. When you're poor, you're always sort of waiting for the next thing to fall apart. I would say she made me think that money was elusive or unattainable. We always had money problems. We were always late on bills. When I hit puberty, I was lucky because I filled out really well. I was pretty buff and tall. I worked out in the small weight room in our high school gym. I met my first girlfriend when I was in ninth grade. She was middle income and her parents were still together. We were together until graduation, then she went away to college. Her name was Alyssa and she was honestly a great girl, but I don't think she liked my mom. My mom didn't like her either. 
My mom didn't like her because of what she represented, I think. My mom would do this thing where she would make me feel like her and I were going to be together forever. Like I was always going to live with her and be there for her. Kind of like a husband or life partner. I think this was a coping mechanism because she wasn't going to get married or be with any man long term. She had a boyfriend once, that's it. He was around for about a year and he was a truck driver who'd be gone a lot of the time anyway. That ended and I don't remember why. But I am sure my mom was grooming me to take care of her. I genuinely cared for my mom and felt bad for her. When my girlfriend Alyssa would talk about us going to the same university or me going to college close to her university, it seemed impossible to me. I would think, okay, but how am I going to get my mom there? She's not going to agree to this relocation. Also, I wasn't really interested in school. Again, I think this was because my mom conditioned me to think, what's the point? My mom was uneducated and the idea of school was always a thing that other people did, but not us. I don't even think I was worth getting that level of education. There was something that really stood out to me when I was in high school. I was jumped and breathing and beaten pretty badly by a couple of guys on my way home. I was taken to the hospital. I had a bunch of broken bones, my ribs and my arm. My face was so swollen. No one came and saw me after that happened. My mom never let me forget it. My girlfriend didn't come, although I don't know if she fully knew what happened. I had two friends too. We weren't really close because I didn't have a lot of money to do the outside of school activities that they did, but they didn't come either. It was just me and my mom and it always felt like it was just me and her. Okay, just to take a little bit of a pause there and reflect on what Greg has shared so far in his story. And I just want to do this uh, because there's not a discussion back and forth. So maybe this for the listener will be just sort of a, a moment to reflect on what you're hearing, a moment to digest what you're hearing. But from what I can gather this relationship is quite codependent and it's quite toxic. Um, and I've sort of noticed this sort of thing happens um, with people who grow up with just one parent. Uh, the level of dependency that the parent puts on the child can often be a, a large weight to bear for the child, especially when there's no nobody else in the picture. And not just for, obviously in this situation, Greg's mother needs financial support as she ages, but it also sounds like she wants to create an emotional barrier between him and any other external relationships he might have. Anyways, back to the story here. So graduation came around and off my friends went. It's not like all the kids left town, only the ones that wanted larger lives and the ones that could be had in a town like the one we lived in. There was a bunch of us that didn't leave and just picked up a trade or worked in some local place. I was one of the ones that stayed back. In hindsight, that's the biggest regret of my life. I have always had this feeling that even if I ever tried to leave, I would fail and have to come back. That is funny because there is nothing really to come back to. There is nothing here. Sure, when my mom was alive, she was here, but it wasn't like we had this amazing life that I couldn't possibly leave. I don't fully know why I didn't leave. I think it would have been hard because my mom depended on me financially. I didn't realize that was the status quo and I resented her for it when I became 30. She slowly stopped working as much and started asking me to pay for more and more stuff. I never got my own apartment because she had a great argument that we could just live together and another apartment would be an unnecessary luxury or expense. 
At first, after high school, she was paying for everything, and then I started working at a liquor store. I started to pay for food. Slowly, I started to pay for food and rent, and then I became a landscaper, and I was paying for food and rent and everything in between. It was pretty rough. She wasn't working and never really seemed to think of it as a problem. I think she expected me to do all of this. I sort of just worked my job for years and never questioned anything. I was passive. I think not having a male figure in my life affected me more than I could have understood at 30 or before that. There was no one who ever told me, go out there and try your hand at your own life. Go and be independent and make your own family. Dating was always casual for me. I had girlfriends, but nothing really lasted long. I had a girlfriend who I was with for maybe four months, and she sort of realized that I was supporting my mom and living with my mom, and she was turned off. I realize now how that must have looked. My mom never talked to me about having a long-term girlfriend or wife or the benefits of that. It seemed like I was just supposed to support my mom, and that's it. She never saw beyond that or beyond herself. My mom passed away from cancer. It happened really fast, like in a matter of months when I was 35. I remember thinking how shocking it was. It wasn't a messy process like it is for some people who have to watch a person die over the course of years. After she passed, I didn't have a funeral or anything because she frankly didn't have a lot of people in her life and it and I didn't see the importance of it at all. I think after her death, I was really confronted with myself and the life we had lived together. I realized that we were nowhere near normal. I think I had a part in ruining my own life too. I think for the longest time, I made myself believe that I was responsible for my mom and that all children are in sort are in a sort of debt to their parents. I realized that this is not true and that this is toxic. It's really toxic. My girlfriend has a son who is 15 and I see them together. I finally understand what a relationship between a mother and son should look like. She promotes him to be independent and wants him to have his own life. She wants what is best for him rather than what is best for her. I think that's the difference. You are taught that mothers and fathers always want the best for you, but maybe they just want the best for themselves and maybe you are a tool. So my advice to my younger self is to get out there. Get out there before you become your mother's keeper. Learn to set boundaries rather than allow people to tell you how you should think. I feel like I've lost so much of myself and that I was brainwashed. I was brainwashed into thinking that my life is to be of service to my family. In reality, I didn't really have a family. I think I have a family now at 44. It's hard to see people on Facebook from high school and see how different their lives are. I can't describe it, but it's like they're on another planet or something, and I'm just here in this neighborhood. They seem untouched by the past, while I feel like the past is what informs my present. All right, so that concludes Greg's narrative, and I just wanted to have a brief sort of post-reading discussion. There's a lot of there's a lot of profound statements that he says here. What specifically stands out to me is when he says that we're sort of, you know, conditioned to think that our parents want what is best for us, but they might in fact want what is best for them. Um, Now, I'm not sure entirely if Greg's mom was exclusively concerned with what was best for her. She might in part have wanted what was, you know, in her mind, in her estimation, good for both her and Greg. But obviously, I can't be sure uh, as he can't speak back on this. But that that's an interesting point. That's something to consider. I think codependent relationships do sort of highlight that point where, yeah, the person might love us, but to what end? And Is there really a sort of an agenda beneath their affections or their care for us? Um, As he sort of introduces his 
his current girlfriend and her son as examples for what he now realizes to be a healthy relationship between a mother and a son. I can't help but feel a bit sorry for him. uh, And I understand what he means when he said he was brainwashed. I think if you never see an example of a a particular dynamic, especially an, an example of a dynamic that's incredibly healthy, you might not be able to discern for yourself that something's sort of wrong in your life. It really sounds like his mom worked to hammer into him that it was just the two of them. I really hear that throughout his narrative, a sense of just isolation. There's a line here, uh, just to quote it, I have always had this feeling that if I ever tried to leave, I would fail and have to come back. This is funny because there's nothing really to come back to. That really stood out to me because... I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Um, I think a lot of people fear stepping outside of the known or what is comfortable, and that could be physically stepping outside of it by leaving a, a town or a city that you're very used to, or emotionally stepping out of it by exiting a toxic relationship uh, with a family member, a friend, or a lover. Um, but just the way it was worded, like he could understand and and know that it's kind of ironic because there wasn't really anything that that city necessarily provided for him other than being the location of where his mom lived. And I think he mentions as well that he he continues to live there with his with his girlfriend and her son now. So in a sense, he did never leave, which is unfortunate. But I think the longer that we stay in a certain situation, the more unmutable it becomes, the the more longstanding it becomes and the harder to move away from it it becomes because it's all you've ever known. But if you take it from adolescence into adulthood or childhood into adolescence into adulthood, it creates a sense of permanence that is really, really hard to be erased. Um, and another thing I just wanted to close this podcast off with was talking about, he often mentions money as being something that sort of froze him in place or money as a a thing that caused contention in his life. What really stands out to me is that he makes mention of his girlfriend being middle income and her parents still staying together. Um, So there's a class divide there that I think that Greg really identifies with. And that's valid. I'm not saying that he should not uh, identify that or, you know, necessarily feel it. I think we all sort of feel it. But it's something that runs through the entire course of his story here. So he really touches upon it. in the different phases of his life as being something that stands out to him and something that greatly limits him. But we do see that he eventually starts making a bit more of an an adult salary by becoming a landscaper. Um, Another thing that was really sad and disappointing to see um, in Greg's story was that he mentions that, and I quote, my mom never talked to me about having a long-term girlfriend or wife or the benefits of that. It seemed like it was, it seemed like I was just supposed to support my mom and that's it. She never really saw beyond that or beyond herself. I think that says a lot. I think to want your child to grow up and have a sense of family is really important because I think aging parents like Greg's mom here have to sort of negotiate their desire to have their children in their life and then also have their children have their own lives and make their own way in the world, which it definitely sounds like 
was not at all of concern to her because I know for a lot of people, especially a lot of aging parents, they're hugely concerned with their children, uh, pair bonding and finding life partners and having children and continuing on that experience. Because in part, I think, I think a lot of people believe that that experience is the ultimate uh, success or ultimate life experience to have. And that's, you know, for debate in itself. But it's pretty safe to say that a lot of people believe that is the highest good that a person could pursue. So the fact that Greg's mom, in his estimation, was not interested in that for him was probably quite heartbreaking for him. Um, And with that, I will end this uh, podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Greg for sharing his story with the Ordinary Folk Podcast. Thank you, and I will see you next week.